Welcome, welcome again to another episode of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Briales with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, good, man. All right, also we have a uh, special guest as well, Marcus Murray from uh, uh, Project Brotherhood. Man, how's it going, man? It's going good. What's going on? Good, man. Yeah, we'll talk to the people, man. Uh, tell us how many kids you got. I got, I got three daughters, man. What, what's their ages? ages? Wait, wait, let me. Ask, I mean, you all know me, man. I don't want anything. I can I throw my disclaimer real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Anything I say should not be a reflection of WTF. If I say anything offensive, <laughs> I apologize ahead of time. Please direct emails to admin at projectbrotherhood.net. I got I have three daughters, two by my wife, two before I got married. Um, 24, 21, and 19. Okay. So how long you been married? Shit. 20, 22 years. Going on, going on 23. Okay, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. that's how it is. I hope she ain't legend. She might be like that. You don't know, but I do it for my oldest daughter. She's 21, so we were married a year before, and she'll be 22. So, yeah, 23 years, Jack. 23. Almost half my life. Okay. Man, that's a lot of time, man, to be with that person, man. So yeah, that's love, man. Yeah, love, yeah. loving a little bit of a little bit of being a sucker, but you know. <laughs> so what? What's the what suckerish about it for you? Just just the concept of love is suckerish, man. But I don't mind being a, you know a little impact, a little like. Let me give you an example. For for um, I dated my wife in high school. She was a good girl. I wasn't that good. We lasted a short period of time. I ran across her again, probably at the age of 24, 25. So I've been with her, you know, half my life. Before her, I always thought of life as me, you know. But when mm -hmm. we married, that me gets flipped upside down in the week. And that compromise, like, I don't mean suck in a negative way, but I used to think I was, um, how can I be politically correct? I think I used to think I was smooth with the ladies. It mm -hmm. wasn't until I got married that, that I realized, nah, women just let us feel like we smooth, man. Like, you know, I love my old lady, man. She don't work. That's she a lawyer that doesn't work. That tell you everything right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She got married and, and basically retired. I got married and had to work it seems like two, three jobs. <laughs> but it's all good, you know. I love her. Yeah. But, you know, I'm probably going to be that dude, if, you know, that holds the person in the mall in about 10 years or sit there in the chair. Oh, you're not that guy now? You know, I face the facts, though. Nah, I ain't that guy now, but <laughs> in 10 years, I could see it. Like, there's a lot of things I did before that, like, what that I'm doing now, I never thought I would do, man. Like, my wife would say, um, like, I get excited to go to botanical gardens with her now, man. The small things. Right. Like, I would never be excited to do that. Like, botanical guy, like, nah. Like, yeah, we, we're taking a road trip. 
I, I literally enjoy looking at the leaves and the and the seasons change. Like, man, I ain't think I was gonna do, you know, be in the stuff like that. I thought it was gonna be football and every sports all my life. But you know, as I get older, things change. That love of being a soccer. I don't mean it in a negative way, but you know. So how'd you know like she was the one? Or like what did she do that made made her different from the other women? Man, you asked me a lot of questions. Like, like, I'm trying to figure out how to answer like, politically correct. Like, you know, you taking me down memory lane. I showed up think I was getting mad. Actually, when I saw her, um, again, it was from two blocks away. And I was parking lot pimping with some homies, you know. We were just sitting out there. This was in the early 90s. And I always like jazzy women, like classy women. And so I saw her walk. I didn't know it was her. I saw her walking in the outfit. I said, see, that's the type of chick I have. You know, somebody know how to walk and mm-hmm. just act like a woman. You know, so I, I guess that's what it is. The strength, the class, the ability to um, speak her opinion to me and correct me, you know. I saw this. I didn't think I would be mad, brother. Like, for real. There was no doubt in my mind. Marriage was not, like, something I even thought about when yeah. I was little, like never. I'm glad I did it though. I wouldn't choose any other way. You know, that's true. I enjoyed my marriage to be honest. Like she saved my life. Jack had no kids, two little girls. You know? So you say question yeah. about your girls. Oh go ahead, Rush. Oh I'm sorry, go ahead. You got something right? No, I was gonna say you uh you have three daughters, right? So right. Do you do you talk to your daughters about like relationships or what type of advice do you give them on dating and stuff? Unfortunately, the daughter I had before I was married, um, she she lives in Georgia, and, and me and the mother really don't get along, so I really haven't had like a a friendly fatherhood daughter type relationship. We're just starting to talk. I was like basically kept out of child's life, so. I don't include that type of relationship, but with my uh, with my two in the house, yeah, we talk about everything, man. That's cool. Like I, I keep it real with them, you know. I talk to them about life, boys, um, everything, drugs. You know what I'm saying? Schoolwork, um, self defense. Yeah. You know, employment, ish, job, everything. But we talk. I think I um. I've always told them this, and you know, I, I know, I know it shocks people when I said I always told them, "Your life is your life. My job is to try to teach, give you the best options. If you decide to get on the pole, it would not stress me out. It would not piss me off. I won't be embarrassed. I won't be disappointed. That's your life, and you know, it won't be a reflection of me. But there's certain things you need to do if you're gonna carry that Murray name in certain ways. You need to act so." I just try to instill them with confidence, man. For black young black girls, black women, that's the main thing, like confidence. Yeah. You know, um, they taught me patience, though, really. So I guess I'm patient with them. Okay. Got you. Um, what uh, what's one lesson that you're uh, that you learned from your dad? Or did you have a close relationship with your with your dad growing up? Nah, we ain't living in the same city, Jack. We were, we were more like friends. I mean, we 
we we y'all putting me through like a therapy session, man. I ain't mad at you though. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I mean, we cool. That's my man, you know. But we ain't had that like. I don't know if I wasn't allowed or he wasn't allowed. We ain't had that father son. It was like, yo, what's up, homie? You know, if you ain't in the same state, what can you do to a knucklehead 14, 15 year old boy? Like, right. I remember this is before like, like, like technology. Huh? This is before technology. Like, we could get on a Zoom call to, to I use. Mean, what, I mean, what can you do to, like, if you was, yeah. my, you was my, what can you do on a Zoom? Like, I could, I could press leave. So, like, if he was, if I was messing up in school, I remember one time, I, I think it, the first time I got suspended when I was 14, he called talking trash. I don't even remember. I hung up the phone like, what you going to do to me? You, you a thousand miles away, Jack. Like, you ain't going to fly here. And if you did, I got a grandfather. You ain't going to touch me, you know. What state was he? As I got older, uh, New York, as I got older and had children, like, I was never upset with him. Like, I don't, want, I don't want, a lot of young black men are upset when their fathers aren't in the picture. I had my grandfather and older cousins and neighborhood cats, so I didn't feel that, I didn't feel that void of a black man. As I look back older, I know psychologically it had to have an effect on me. But during that time, it wasn't like, oh, my daddy ain't called me. Man, I, I was chasing girls and then there's so many other things. I didn't even have time to think about it, really which was probably a cause from not having a father figure, giving you some type of discipline in your life, you know? But we cool to this day. I'm his only son, he has two daughters, so our relationship is, is a little unique. Do you interact with your other sisters? Well, with your sisters? Oh yeah, all the time, now we're close. Like, I think they kept us, you know, I, I think the love that they had for him, and the love I had for them didn't allow me mentally to think anything negative of them. Mm. I was like, I, I would never, I would never diss my sister's father. You know what I'm saying? Even though he's my father, I would never, you know, he raised, he raised one of them. So her relationship is different from me and my other siblings. And I respect that, you know. But that's my man's now, like, yeah, I named my uh, my youngest baby. I got the last name of his family, so you know, never know harsh feelings. Her name is Tyler. That last name is Tyler. So my, I gave my youngest daughter that name as a respect to that side of the family. That's cool. What do you think? Like you learned from your dad, like indirectly, on how to be a a, a dad. I learned shit, man. I'm sorry. Shit. I didn't learn nothing. Nah, you can say like, shit. It's all right. <laughs> I, I didn't learn nothing. Like, at this point, we're sharing tips, but mm. it wasn't even, um, I don't want to, I, I really don't want to have that stereotype of people think if your father ain't around, you hate him. You know, that's the thing with black fathers. People think that the stuff I learned from, to be honest, was how to talk to women. Like, I think it was in my blood. So he was a smooth ladies' man. That's what I learned from him. And that, you know, that ain't been, but as far as parenting, nothing. Uh-huh. Nothing. Like, I I'm try, I want to give him credit for something, or diss him for something, but nothing. Like, I've never asked him any parenting advice. 
until like in the past two, three years, like, you know, how you deal with your, your daughters having boyfriends, stuff like that. Yeah. But when they were little, nothing, man. You know, but to be honest, I think I think my my parents and that generation, that idea of parenting was different. Like I, I was like them until my lovely kind of, you know, started teaching me that the way we were raised just wasn't right. Like um, more dictating the children instead of asking them what they want. So let me give you a hardcore example. I didn't know I didn't know anything about college. Like you know, brother Ryan, you said it. My old girl's a physician, man. I didn't know shit about college. I didn't even want to go to college. It was like go to college and get out the crib. I wanted to work uh, sell insurance for a family friend. This was back in 89. He offered me 45 stacks a year. And in three years, I could start my own Eagle insurance. I wanted to do that. She was like, go to college and get out my crib. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like, with my children, it's like uh, if my daughter wants, and she's not into this, but if she says, I want to go into photography, I'd be like, all right, cool. You know, let's figure out how to make some money with that. Yeah. Whereas the generation of parents, you know, me and my peers, it was like, go to school, get a job, get insurance, work for the man. You know, it wasn't, what do you want to do? And we still had these talks today. Like, mom. And I'm sure she should say it publicly. She probably thinks I underachieved or some things. I should have three doctoral degrees and be fighting for the cause. Nah, man, I want to come home, spend time with my kids, you know. We just see different. Like, that's just, that's a generation thing, really, for me. Yeah. You know, um, man, your, your, your mother name rang bells in the city, man. So, like, well, what was that like? You know, having um, I don't want to say yeah, famous. See, see, <laughs> see, 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 see that we going down the therapy session, Joe. Um, <laughs> I remember my old girl graduating from medical school. So, if I remember it, if you can imagine a black woman in the seventies trying to go to medical school, Jack. Mm-hmm. So so let me just tell you this. My old girl, my family from Cleveland, man, they they claim the projects. I tell them everybody from the projects back in the day, so I ain't impressed. But the, she from Cleveland got accepted to University of Chicago and, and my grandfather and grandmother moved here to support her and brought their other two kids. So it was a family thing, like said, you know, they said they were gonna support her. So in terms of her going to school. To be honest with you, she won't be mad. I think um, until I got about, I think she graduated medical school when I was in like second or third grade. So I didn't see her that much. Mm-hmm. Then she got red listed. Y'all know what that means? You know what red listed means? It's, it's worse yeah. than blackball. That in, in the 70s, they labeled you as a communist, which she, you know, what she claimed. She into that chairman, mild black pamphlet, socialist stuff. Uh, she got black ball red listed from the country, Jack. Mm. So she had to move to Canada. I, m- I moved up there with her for like a year and came back. I couldn't take it. It was the best time of my life, but at the time I couldn't take it. So mm. I think we were separated from... She really ain't come back to like my junior, senior year of high school. 
You know what I'm saying? Because she had to get jobs. You know, she couldn't get jobs in the country. So, yeah, it was it was different being raised with Murray. You know what I'm saying? Like, but when she was, so if I was younger, before she got red lusted while she was in school, if I got a spanking, that shit didn't bother me. Like, getting, you know, getting my ass whooped, that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the lectures, you know, after the, the ass whoopings and the lectures with data and, you know, and the police <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, that's what bothered me, putting me on punishment. Like, at my crib, you had to read, like, it's weird. My grandfather so her, my grandmother was a mathematician. But like me and my cousins, we had to read like 100 page books by the time of third grade. We had to do book requests every week in order to go out. So, so they, but then they, they let you be men. You would never get in trouble for fighting. You wouldn't get in trouble in school for fighting, but you better know how to read and write. When I, full disclosure, since I like you, I'll tell y'all this. So she want to know about Murray. When they found my pistol in high school, my grandmother found me. She told my mother, she, my mother said, what you got a pistol for? I said, for the police. She said, okay, just don't let none of my nieces and nephews get shot. <laughs> okay. So that's the type of household, you know. And it's no shame. It's just, you know, that's how it was. But I think I got, I would like the feeling I'm in. I didn't pick it because of my mother. We just said it. So we probably, and that's probably the benefit from working in this field. I get to, you know, spend a little bit more time with it. Yeah. But at no phase in my life do I think I'll be in healthcare at all. Yeah, so tell me about that. Um, so what do you do uh, with Project Brotherhood? Tell me about uh, your background and your story with that. I'm going to make this one quick, Jack, because this is a long one. So um, Project Brotherhood is a black men's clinic that's been around since 1997. And I start, we focused on clinical services and non-clinical services. I mean, clinical meaning. We have we, we we partner with Cook County Health and Hospital Systems. We have five doctors, and we will let black men see the doctor. We um we have other services too, the non-clinical services. We have free haircuts, free food, fatherhood classes, manhood development classes. Those were sixteen weeks; they weren't mandatory, but and our, our retention rate was always like ninety-six percent. We had Qigong. Um, we were out of the Woodline Health Center. They just recently closed it down. Anything black men needed, uh, we, we did for them. And even getting that, that job was like, like I was literally, I think I had came home from school because I didn't want to go to school. I had uh, a lot of legal issues from high school all the way throughout college. So I just got off like, work release and house arrest. They basically kicked me out of Tallahassee. Man. I went to Florida and there for a while. Mm. And um, we used to stand on the, on the corner in my neighborhood when I got back, you know, some of the little younger kids used to try to do illegal stuff on the block. So we stand outside. I probably was the only brother that wasn't working. It was like one or two cats that were truck drivers, post office workers, cat in law school. We used to stand up in the corner or the middle of the block by the park as security. Like the kids knew what we were doing, people our age, but if you didn't know, you would see us out there drinking and smoking and think we were some knuckleheads. So this cat kept driving by 
with a convertible Mustang. He used to always speak, oh, I know your mother. I was like, yeah, it's so cool. Like, I know her too. So and then one day he said, um, he said, yo, y'all want to be in these focus groups? I give you $20 and some pizza. And that was one of the most offensive terms I ever heard, man. So I walked up to his cop. Well, before that, let me, let me add the, the key part. Um, his wife was attractive. So... After I saw him and he spoke, you know, I kind of knew he was. I started seeing him with his wife. And, you know, in the hood, you got you to gotta attract the wife. You must have a little game. So we gave him a little play. But when he said, you know, um, here, we need $20 and some pizza, we felt, well, I felt that was offensive. Like, these brothers ain't need no money. They ain't need, they ain't need no food. So I walked to the car, told him, I said, Joe, you just offended the hell out of us, man. Like, what are you trying to do? And he said, yo. Nah, I ain't mean to offend you. Uh, we got a program. I mean, we're trying to start a program. We want to see why black men don't go to the doctor. We having these focus groups. I said, so shit, you want our opinion. You need to hear our voice. Like, don't try to sell me on no money and no pizza. I said, you can keep that. I said, I love to participate. So I participated in it. Funny enough, my mother said, don't hide that fool. He, you know, he got a bad background. He got, you know, he don't have a degree. She don't believe in nepotism, but they hired me. We created the uh, program based off of what black men said and what we could do. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, brothers, I'm very, very humble, but I am going to start acknowledging it. From what I was told, it was the best program in the country for black men. The reason I say that, and whether or not I agree with it, doesn't matter. We serviced over 40,000 black men in about 17, 18 years. We allowed for, for 38 brothers to see the doctor every week, 46 weeks a year, plus eight walk-ins. And we average, including them brothers, we average about 100 men in our clinic a week. Our, our, our program hours were from like three o'clock to seven o'clock every Thursday. So to have 100 black men come see you every week for services or just to come in there and hang out, I know we did something right. Because if you did a literature review, you did some reports, unless you got some sports thing in there, you, you're not seeing that. So just off of the brothers saying what we did for them makes me happy, man. I don't really, you know, I just, I like, I like helping out black people, Jack. And I could be myself, so that's the main thing. That's, that's cool. That's awesome, man. That's great. So, uh, how, how, when did you say that it started? Ninety seven. Yeah, November, November nineteen ninety seven. We first opened the doors. We had six cats. I thought it was a failure. Within a month, our numbers it went up. But yeah, November nineteen ninety seven, and Woodline just shut down. December thirty first, twenty twenty. But our medical services, we stopped about four or five years ago. We just didn't have any more black doctors. You know, the doctors were out the system. You know, so without black male doctors, it was only so much we could do. And then funding. Like, we have funding, but uh, with stuff like that, programs like that, you need more philanthropy funding, private donations, and mm -hmm. grants. Because they really don't want you to really help our black men. You know, grants aren't really made for that. 
mm. like to the hardcore. They want everything evidence based. I mean, they, you know, they want some unified or uniform program that they deal with Mexican kids in, 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 in Mexico to work with kids on the south side of Chicago or, or men in Honduras to work with black men on the south side of Chicago. I, I, I go as far as say, black men on the south side are different, black men on the west side are different, black men are just different. We can't have like a unified program. You can have a program that, that, that touches us, but it needs to be adapted. So yeah. even with funding and helping out black men, it's tricky, man. It's real tricky. You gotta remember, man, they, they look at us as the worst thing, the worst creatures in, in the world, Jack. Right. So the opportunities to really help us outside of people that look like us is real difficult. Like it's real difficult. Yeah, we ain't that far removed from uh, what happened to Fred Hampton, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, you know, that still that stuff still happens to this day, so Right, being aware of that, knowing how to navigate these uh these waters, it's important. Right, and, 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 but and that's real though. So the thing with the thing with Brother Fred and the Panthers, they weren't doing it like people think it was about. Oh, we gonna fight back, man. Them brothers' programs that they was doing, the medical services, the the, the free breakfast programs. That shit was deep and real. You kill, uh, uh, how was it, 22, 21? You kill a man for that? So if you look at the history of black men who just speaking the truth, and you all about to be on that list, you know? You got to be careful. I'm not saying stop what you're doing, but you, you, you need to know that you are jeopardizing your life by trying to help your people. Um, that one-time Project Brotherhood got this award from... Um, who was it? Who was it this time? Oh, the what's what's the what's the what's the CNN to Black in America today's pioneers? I really didn't want to do it. Oh, People convinced me to do. It. We got we got an award from that, right? We won that special today's pioneers. It came on. I never forget. I was out of town. It came on at like nine o'clock. This was like Soledad O'Brien, yeah. you know. She got mad. I wouldn't do an interview because I'm not in the press. But uh, unless it's people I like, like this, or something we control, because their narrative was highlight us, and I was like, "Yo, don't highlight us. Highlight the brothers. Let the brothers say whether or not they like the program." Yeah. But and, you know they didn't see that. So I said, "I don't, you know." But anyway, program came on at nine o'clock. <clears throat> I'm out of town, Jack. I get a call the next morning from the feds, like, "Yo, your grant is cut." Like our main grant. I said, for what? Mm. It's cut. I said, man, I got three years left. Why you cut it? You know, why do you think they cut it? So I called this white VP at CNN, like, yo, man, they just cut our shit. I mean, they cut our grant. He said, all right, uh, what you, you know, you said, I'll be at the, it was Friday. He mm. said, I'll be in Chicago. I'll have a team there on Monday. And we'll ask them why they cut it. I got a call back three hours later. Same white lady with an attitude. Yeah, it's back on. Like, the stuff that Project Brotherhood has been through just for trying to make sure black men are healthy is crazy, Jack. Like, I don't do social media. I don't, um, 
I don't advertise. I don't do anything that's going to bring attention to me. I've been followed by, by white folks. I can't say what agency or who they are. But I just said my, my old bird was political. She was um, red-listed. My old man, actually, you know, it's, it's public. My old man was probably, I think he was 19 when Fred got shot. He was a West Side cat. He mm -hmm. was a Panther. Probably should have been there that night, but for other reasons, Fred Adam doing some other things. He went there that night. Um, so when you from when you from when you the offspring of people like that, it's like my phone been tapped, man. My house phone since I can remember. Like that's just part of my upbringing. So and shit, I'm sharing it with y'all. So. I would be talking to people like, well, not talking to them. I would be in the presence of Angela Davis and other black revolutionaries since the, since the 70s. Like being a little kid that's running around in the other part of the house, whether it's people trying to get Harold Washington elected or whatever. So mm -hmm. seeing some of the behind the scenes things and, and actually knowing some of the people, living with a woman who was black, who was red listed, like, that shit be for real, you know? So I give any black man kudos to speak up. My thing is just be prepared. Like, you know what I'm saying? Have a backup plan. Diversify your income. Have life insurance. You know, like, for real, you know? I don't know if Malcolm and Martin, Mega Evans, and even just some of the average brothers had life insurance. Because, we, you know, we the key to the family, Jack. So that's why I, I, I like... I like y'all, man, and y'all program what y'all doing. I think I was telling I was telling Dr. Robeson that like I've seen a lot of brothers talk fatherhood stuff. And, and I'm, I'm trying my best not to call cats out. Fuck it. I've seen a lot of brothers do <laughs> dovetail. They run dovetail. It was my homie. That's my little dude, Shelter, Sheldon. I've seen, but over the years, the white folks got a hold of them, man. Mm -hmm. I, dovetail all I see is and they did his program was cold but now all I see is advertisers for money and stuff y'all do it like y'all do it from the heart like I understand there's a business aspect you gotta be self sustaining but it's from the heart like that shit is real Jack you know yeah, so I, I, I give y'all kudos for that like, it ain't a lot of people. I don't want to lose that, man. I don't care who what advertising dollars become our way. We still want to be able to connect with the people. Yeah, but you want to be able to make sure you can feed your family so you can connect. What Jay-Z say, you can't help the poor if you want of them. Yeah, yeah. It's all about, the bottom line is real. Yeah. And, and, and then how you, um, unfortunately, the only thing <laughs> black men understand is either fear of money. We don't understand compassion as much. So sometimes you might need money to lure people with like not necessarily lure people in and pay them, but one of the biggest things we used to do for Project Brotherhood was give away free T-shirts, man. Like we just for the hell out of it, we give PBT and give them away. Like mm -hmm. uh, you all had Desmond Clark on, that was real. I just had an event that night. I wanted to come on, but you got I'm a diehard Bears fan, man. I don't care who's who's quarterback. You know, I don't like the McCaskies, but I'm a you know they took the Honey Bears away. <laughs> Y'all should remember that, man. But the 85 Bears was the best football team ever. There was a rumor that a player had an affair 
and they took the honey bears away. We won't go back to the Super Bowl till they do that. Bring back the honey bears. But how did they bring them back in the nineties? Like one time? I, I remember the, there was some cheerleaders on the sideline for a second. I might have been there. I might have been during my inebriation stage in life. I don't remember <laughs> that shot. But y'all having dude on that was dope. Just yeah. the fact. And it, and it wasn't about talking football. It was the fact that this NFL player took time out of his day. Yeah. To, I'm assuming, not your relationship, but if I'm a if I'm a, a participant in your program, took time out of his day to talk to me. Like, that's dope. So other people ain't doing that, man. You know. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, we want to keep that going. Yeah. Well, we, it's getting close to time. Uh, I want to ask you one last question before we uh, get ready to wrap. If you could give any piece of advice to like a young father, uh, um, even an old father who might be going through some things, what what would you tell him? The first thing is patience. Mm. It's three rules. It's three rules I tell fathers when they ask me: patience, don't raise your children how you were raised and find a support system. Those are the three things, man. Like, um, we talked, we already discussed on raising like how you was raised. Like, I never thought I wouldn't spank my kids. I've never hit my daughters in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not gonna say at times I didn't want to, but I've never hit them. And, and, and that's probably one of the biggest things. I, I was from a generation, you sped a ride, you spoiled a child. Yeah. So, and just uh, being able to talk to them. So that's how it was different. The support system, like, if you have groups like yours, that's cool. But even amongst your peers, so the cats I knew that had daughters before me, that might have been five, six years older, and even some of the, the dudes I know on the street, I would ask them, you know, what is it like raising a daughter? Well, what, what, what did you do? Like, did you give her hugs and kisses after she turned six or seven? I know it might sound crazy, but I was like, I didn't come from a family that did that. They were little girls. I'm like, oh, I don't. Am I allowed to hug? You know, that might sound crazy to everybody else, but I didn't even know how to embrace my own children. And I tell them to this day, I wish I hugged you all more. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. So that support, and even just what to do, like when it comes to like school and like how much is too much for a man to interfere when do I when do I you know let them be young ladies and um and just that support of being married with kids you need, you need other men to talk to man like for real you need that test that's testosterone time yeah. so yeah and patience that's the key man patience with children Jack because they don't know. I mean, they literally, they, they frontal lobe don't develop till they get 24. So they, they're going to do stupid shit until, you know, I did stupid shit until I was yesterday, really, but, you know. <laughs> but, so that patience with them children, man, I think is the key. Like, I can remember, like, with my daughters being, like, the first time my wife left me at home with my short. Like, I was panicking, Joe. I was when she would cry, we talking about six months when she would cry and then having to change diapers, the frustration that I was going, and it, I wouldn't take it out on her, but that frustration was just built up and built up. 
So if anything had, had, had interfered, if I had stepped outside and somebody said something, well, even potentially with the child, you know, I could have snapped on her for not crying, but kids and daughters, especially daughters teach you patience, man. But I love my babies. I'm not perfect. They know they could talk to me. They could play with me. They used to ask me, Daddy, can we paint your nails? Nah, you, you know, Daddy don't go like that. Like, you know. The boundaries. Yeah, boundaries, right. So people say, you going Nah, man, I, I don't wear nail polish. It'll be clear. No, daddy don't roll like that. Like, But daddy. I, I'm still <laughs> soft for you. I, I'm not one of them fathers that's going to wear, put on a dress and take you to the show to see the Disney movie. I'll take you to the show to see the Disney movie, but I ain't putting on no dress. You know, so that pay, and not for that, I want my daughters to know my version of what I think a man is. That's a man. But then that backfires too, but that's a whole nother discussion. I, I really do see girls try to, girls pick dudes similar to their fathers and his, and his friends. So just remember that. Cause I some time, you know, I don't want my daughters bringing home a dude like me right now. Or how you, do you think the same rule applies on the flip? So do boys bring, get girls that's like their, like their mothers? Like I said, I was raised by my mother and grandmother. So I think the intellectual, strong black woman part, you know, my mm -hmm. old lady's an attorney by trade, yes. But my old lady is more of a uh, a homemaker than a, than a nine to five worker, and I prefer that. Okay. And see, that's even something too, like I, nobody, nobody ever talked to me and said, yo man, when you had kids, you gotta put them in daycare. And daycare costs this much. Yeah, they get expensive as hell, and then, and then, and they, these are the people you leaving your six month child with. I'm like, oh, I'm not leaving my baby with them. Father, you win, baby. You ain't gotta work. I work extra hard just so you could take care of the kids until they get school age. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have that choice, but like, that's that. You ask me about it. If I if I had one thing. I wish school, or I wish somebody would have would have prepared me for the financial responsibility of having children, and I would have been more prepared. I would have tricked off less money, and you know, when I was younger, and made sure I did have them things needed to raise children. Man. And the, the best thing I think I could do is put myself in a position where I could where I could spend time with them after school and school events. Like I had the type of job. Where, where my time was flexible. Mm. You know, that's the key for me. But you know, I digress, man. My daughters, they, you know, they pimp me too, Jack. <laughs> they about to be 22 and 20. I, you know, what can I say? Like, I try to say no, but for the most part, like my shorty, not that it matters, but it's something you all gonna deal with. I think I told you all this. My shorty said three weeks ago, uh, sat me and my wife down at the table said, I'm about to go spend a week with my boyfriend for spring break. And the first thing I said was like, man, you about to go spend a week with a nigga? Like, you about to go lay up? But, but then I had to realize, like, daddy was doing wild things at that age, but it wasn't a girl I wanted to spend more than 24 hours with at 19 <laughs> or 20. But what do you do? What do you say to your daughter that's about to be 20 that she wants to go 
hang out with her boyfriend for a week. And he got his own apartment. You don't have to answer it now. If you would have asked me when my shorties was up there, I'm like, she ain't doing that. But my oldest, so I give, I give you a more mellow story. And these were the stories I needed to hear that taught me, you know, I wasn't alone. My oldest, when she came home from college, her freshman year, I made a deal with her. I said, if you maintain a 3.3 three, three throughout college, you know, I'll break you off a little something. My wife asked her for a grade. She refused to give her grades. Now, she had a 3-2, but she refused to give her share of grades. Mm. And then came in, like, on a Wednesday night and said, I'm going to L.A. on Friday. My flight, I, I arrived in Los Angeles at midnight. I'm staying with some friends, and I don't have a return ticket. Are y'all going to give me some money? Mm. Man, I, I, I tried to play so hardcore. I ain't giving you nothing. So first I snapped, I said, you ain't going nowhere. I said, you know, I ain't giving you, I ain't giving you no money. The girl still went, got money from other sources. You know, I couldn't stop it. So it, it kind of, it checked me to say, okay, I can't, what, what am I going to do, kick her out? Yeah. Put her on the street because she wants to go, you know, hang out with her friends in LA. I might not support it, but then I had to realize it ain't the end of the world. She ain't on, you know, she ain't pregnant. She ain't on dope. She a good student. You know, I had to learn how to compromise and be patient, man. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, it's still hard. You know, it's hard when you're the king of your castle and they don't really listen like that, you know. But what can you do? But I will say this. You got to get your guy time, too. You got to get your man time, man. Yeah. You know, as fathers, we got to, in, in a constructive way, you got to take your fishing trips, man. You, you need your space to, as the king of the castle to, you know, restart that engine and that fire, man. Because if you don't take a break, because half the time our money and our time goes to other people. Mm -hmm. We don't really spend, like, it's just it's, that's out there. Married men, fathers, we really don't spend that much money on ourselves. We put everybody first. But you gotta take time for yourself, man. I'm taking I, I take two, three guy trips a year to Bears games. You know. And that's the uh testosterone part. That's where the testosterone yeah. part plays yeah. into. Yeah. Man, that's just, you know, that's drinking and smoking recreational marijuana when it's legal in the states. Don't do anything illegal. And, and my old lady, my said, hey, can you get this? Can you get that? You know what it's like before you, you, uh, you know, it's that high school time. <laughs> you want to get drunk and pass out on the couch. It ain't, it ain't about yeah. hanging out with women. And I, the last thing I want is be around some more women when I'm, when I'm away from my old lady, man. They stress me out. I don't know how brothers got two, three wives. <laughs> Side chicks, that shit crazy, Jack. You know. But to each his own. Yeah, I think that bonding is important, man. We got to get back to that. Uh, we, we had a couple of guy trips. You know, uh, me and Dr. Raheem had some to Tennessee. And, uh, man, where we done been, bro? We went uh, to the Bulls game when he was at, uh, with Derrick Rose was playing. Yeah, Atlanta. Uh, in the playoffs. Nashville. We went to Atlanta. Yeah. Nashville, Nashville. yeah. Yeah, you got yeah. to, man. I tell you, you got too old now, but. There was a spot called Caravana in Canada. My old lady took me and my man to the, on this trip. I used to go there. Every, I used to go there. Man, that was the most beautiful 
It's the largest Caribbean festival in the world. So the women there, oh my God, they're beautiful. Oh, that's she like the, the carnival in uh Yeah. In but okay. Yeah. And uh and I went for like three years after she took me. She didn't mind she, you know, go do your thing. I, I I'm pipping you anyway. <laughs> they they stopped letting me in the country, so I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they just said, if you can't come in, brother, your password, you know, you can't come no more. <laughs> for real, so I, I stopped going. But trips like that, like, you know, like I was going to start going to, like, when I was younger, I didn't like doing stuff like that. But now I want to I wanna go to a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? I want to visit every... Uh, Major League Baseball part, you know. Not because I'm a super diehard fan. I just, I ain't got nothing else on the bucket list. You know? It's just experience. experience, yeah. Right. I golf, you know what I'm saying? That's my, like, that's my thing, though, right? like, is golf. Actually, my daughter, um, she's a freshman at Howard. She's on the golf team. They haven't played because of COVID. Mm. She picked up the game, but... She cold. I'm, you know, I ain't good. But that, that time away from the crib, you know, that's everything for me, Jack. Yeah, for sure, man. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it here, man. Uh, tell the people where they can reach you. Oh man, I I, I really don't want them to reach me. <laughs> All right, I mean, but. Uh, <laughs> Brotherhood.org. I ain't checked that website in years, but let me know. Um, it's admin, A D M I N, at projectbrotherhood.net. Okay. Yeah, but you know, I'm going to be honest. Don't call me. If, if you want to talk, yeah, if it's said, you know, I, I help people out. Don't just call me on no BS, man. Email me on no BS. Like, you know, I crack jokes and have fun, but my life is about empowering black people, man. You know? It's just that simple. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate you for your work, yeah, thank man. thank you, man. You definitely got an interesting story, man. And tell them, too, don't call. I'm not doing no interviews for y'all. Just for Brother Royce and Raheem, because I know <laughs> anybody else. Nah, they probably the feds, Jack. Uh, you heard it here first. It's, it's dead. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. <laughs> All right, bro. Have a good night, man. Are you ending it for real? We ended it right there. WTF interviews. We stopped recording. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to WTF interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, WTFatherhood.org. Also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are. All right, greetings. Um, join me, Brandon Hay, the founder of the Black Daddies Club in Toronto for the Welcome to Fatherhood Masterclass at 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Central Time and 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. 
Eastern Time, and the topic will be co-parenting post a separation. See you then.